bigger than they really needed. He got the duties on his pickup. When the dealer gave him a choice, and he lost the job on the What's up? Oh, we're back. It has been a minute, and we're back. All right, it's been a wild, it's been a wild, wild summer. It's been a hot, hot Ohio Valley, West Virginia summer. It, it feels like somebody's laying on you. You know how kids, when you, if you have kids, you understand that if it gets hot outside, they just go, uh, can I just lean on you and make us both more miserable? That, that's what the humidity does. Uh, the Ohio River, it's just, it's just like, take me with you. Just lay on top of me, take me with you. And, and no, I don't want you to come with me, humidity. He's like, well, we're going, okay? And you're going to be sweaty when you get there, wherever it is you go, okay? Listen, everybody's lost their minds, and that's okay. So what we want this to be, let's just, let's just, uh, let's socially distance ourselves from the crazy people in our lives. And uh, let's just kind of, let's, let's do our own thing, okay? Get into a book, get into some some activity, get outside, get on the water, get in the woods, get in the, the weight room, get active, get moving, eat something that makes you feel good, cook a dinner, get a meal, sit down, go out with some friends, but wear a mask so you don't get shamed about it and all that stupid stuff. But uh, yeah, it's nuts. So just, you know what? It's going to be okay. It is. It's going to be. And then if it's not going to be okay, you don't got to worry about it because you'll be dead. That's terrible. But I mean it. Okay, guys. Uh, so we're back. It's been—I I know it's been a minute since we've got an episode up. Listen, <laughs> this doesn't make me any money. All right, it doesn't. I make this because I want it to exist. And as soon as I don't feel like doing it, and we don't care, like I'm not gonna punish myself to make this. I got—we got kids. I got a wife. You know, we're training the football team in the middle of a pandemic, and it is what it is. Okay. But this episode, we recorded during the uh, the initial big quarantine, right? And uh, Karen and Brian Troutman, you've probably seen some of their stuff on YouTube because they are uh, YouTube royalty, all right? They, they are the family, family now. They got a baby on board, all right? Not your dumb sticker that you have on the back of your Camry that says baby on board. They literally have a baby on board of their sailboat that they live 100% of the time on and and sail around the world on all over. Any beautiful place that you've ever thought of having a screensaver on your on your monitor at work, they've been there. They've been to port and they've anchored and they've had more fun than you. All right? But we get into some really interesting stuff with these guys about, uh, well, one is, how do you just decide I'm going to go and sail a sailboat, and that's what I'm going to do 100% of the time and be able to live. And then I'm going to uh, marry a woman, and she's going to want to do the same thing, and then we're going to have kids, and we're going to keep doing it. And it's extraordinary. How We all let our mind wander and daydream and say, you know, I, I just want to leave it all. And, and just go sailing. Well, but you don't, but you won't. These guys did. And we 
have had some, we've, we've been really fortunate at Manchild to come across some people that that thing that you always like, man, if I had, if I had the guts or if, if I, how cool would it be if we did this? We are talking to people that are doing your if or what if I could. And they lay it out of how they did it. And you know what it was wrapped in, what it was married to, what it laid down and marinated overnight in, metaphorically, struggle, a whole bunch of it. Struggle, struggle this, struggle that. They felt dumb. They made mistakes. They wrecked the boat. They broke stuff and they fixed it. And they got, and they just kept going. And it's a beautiful, beautiful conversation. Listen, there's some technical difficulties because, uh, and, and, and I'm embarrassed because it was on my behalf. They're in the middle of the ocean and uh, their internet connection didn't go out. The Zoom call didn't fail because of Karen and Brian. No, no, sir, because of me. Because I can't figure out how to not hit the exit the Zoom meeting button because I'm an idiot. Okay, so there's a point in time where it got kind of weird. All right, shout out to my lifelong best friend, one of you know, you know the original posse, Scott Kellums and, and Mark Robbins. This one goes out to Mark Robbins, uh, who pointed us in the direction of Delos and and the and the Delos crew, Brian and Karen, and their story. And you can follow they guys. They. This is a, I'm about to say a sentence that didn't exist 25 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. I don't know. They fully support themselves making episodes of their life on the water, sailing, making episodes on YouTube. Okay. That's a sentence that didn't exist before. Right. I feel like we're in the era of saying things that didn't exist before, like saying you can't go to the dollar store if you don't. Sir, you can't come in this bank if you don't put a mask on. That's a sentence that didn't exist before. That's where we're at right now. Okay, that's where we're at. Uh, but, uh, so these guys are, they're taking full advantage. His, this guy was just a, he was a, he was, a, he was following the, the tech dream. He was out there working for Microsoft in Seattle and did the whole corporate thing. And he was like, this is gross. I hate it. I'm out. And he literally, he did it. And he hasn't stopped since, uh, him and his wife, Karen, uh, it's an incredible, incredible story that they have. I hope you're good, man. I hope, listen. We got a lot. I've been telling you guys this and telling you we're having shirts and, and all this sort of stuff. It's a slow burn. Slow. We are we are we are Texas style brisket barbecuing this brand man child. And we're not gonna rush anything. Mainly because uh, I physically can't. And the other thing is because we don't we don't wanna just put I don't I'm not gonna listen, we don't post that often. Our social media presence is not strong because I'm not I am not posting things just to post them. We're not putting stuff out there to sell or t-shirts or hats because we think that those will be popular. We want to make stuff that if we can't find it somewhere else, we're going to make it and maybe you want it too. The ideas, the ideologies, the events, the places, the, the, the statements we want to make, we'll put those on some shirts and maybe you want to share it with us. This isn't supporting any of us. This isn't our business. This isn't our full-time life. It's something that we're having fun with, that we're experiencing together and we're sharing it with you. That's what Man Child is. Okay. All right, man, without further ado, 
Let's get into this conversation with Brian and Karen from SV Delos, the sailboat, the sailing couple, crew, family. All right. You're going to love it. Here we go. What you know about me? Uh, okay, guys, you can't see them, but I can. We are talking to the Brian and Karen Troutman of the Delos Sailing Vessel. You've probably heard of them. Uh, YouTube, millions and millions of people have followed their journeys all over the world for the last several years, and we have the privilege to talk to them here on the Man Child Podcast, the podcast all about struggling on purpose. What would you do? Where would you go? Who would you take if you weren't afraid of how hard it was going to be? And I can't think of a better couple of people to discuss that type of topic <laughs> than uh, Brian Karen. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. No, our pleasure. Thanks yeah. so much for having us. Awesome. I love I love the name because some I've been called a man boy <laughs> quite a bit. And so man child is actually quite close to my, my heart and yeah. you know, how I portray my life and all that. Well, we appreciate that very much. So where are you guys right now? So right now we are in the Ragged Islands in Bahamas. And it is nothing around here. It's just a couple of deserted islands. And we've actually been here for 100 days. 101 days today. Yep. Just, just <laughs> anchored anchored up and, and hanging out. Just, yeah, exactly. Just here at this uninhabited place. And in fact, if you go to Google and you type in where is SV Delos, D-E-L-O-S, a satellite tracking map will pop up and show you our exact location. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we, uh, we hadn't planned on staying here this long. We left Puerto Rico. We did a big shopping trip. We were going to hang out here for about a month, and then we were going to go explore some of the other parts in the Bahamas. And then we got this strange message from Karen's mom about, because she lives in Sweden, the flights had just been canceled between Europe and the U.S. And we're like, what the heck is going on? And then everything got locked down. And we've just been here ever since. Um, No inter island travel allowed. Uh, It's been interesting. uh, So you guys guys win social distancing right now. You get it. You you have won the trophy. we take it to another level living on the boat. Like we're normally pretty socially distant anyway, but now this is like to yeah. the extreme. Yeah. All right. So I'm obsessed with how things start. Right. And it's, um, if you've been living under a rock, like I have, uh, Brian and Karen sail all over the world, um, with their child. How old is the, is your baby? Uh, nine months. <laughs> like it was it's a it's an ordeal to go to walmart with a nine-month-year-old uh let alone sail open seas uh so how did this um begin how did how did this all start well in a funny way i was a i was like a corporate guy i was like a corporate software guy 
I was working for the largest software company in the world in Seattle, um, climbing that ladder, getting the, you know, the next bigger house, thinking about buying a nice fancy car and another flat screen TV to put in my toilet or whatever you do when you make some money. And yeah. just, I just wasn't feeling it. You know, my boss walked me into my office one day or, you know, a meeting into his office and he closed the door and on the back of the door, there was like this org chart that went, you know, from like, Bill Gates all the way at the top down to like, you know, director level nodes. And there's hundreds of nodes on this chart. And he basically said, you know, Brian, it's important to have goals. Like, what's your goal? I was like, well, I don't know. I just graduated from university. I'm just going to work for a while. And he's like, well, my goal is to someday have my name on this chart, you know, because then you would be managing hundreds of people. And, you know, he expected to have this, uh, this kind of like invigorating, like, action on me and I, I just right. looked at him and was like this is this is not for me that is not something that I want to pursue years of my life to get on some piece of paper so I put in my notice uh, started my own little consulting shop and uh, within a few years uh, had this dream of, of traveling and sailing the world you know because as Americans were brought up to go to uh, high school and then go to university college and then get a job and then get a mortgage and then that's it. And that whole concept sort of freaked me out. So I said, you know, I'm just going to take off. I'm going to take, I have enough money to buy a sailboat and to go out for 18 months. And, you know, I'm in my, you know, early thirties at this point. And I say like, Hey, you know, after 18 months, I will probably figure out what I want to do with my life. 18 months came and went, we were in the South Pacific and, you know, I met Karen in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, at that point in the trip and we just decided why go back you know I invited her sailing to come sailing for a weekend out of Auckland and uh, that, that was, was pretty much it that was nine years ago now <laughs> I had never sailed before so it was completely new to me and it was just crazy that you could live on a sailboat and travel around the world I was like what like people do that like that's absolutely insane but I yeah I went sailing that weekend and I you know, fell in love with the lifestyle and of course, Brian as well. And <laughs> yeah, that was nine years ago now for me. So it's pretty crazy. So you guys, you had come into, and I'm going to sound like an idiot trying to keep up with these terms, but you came into port or you anchored in New Zealand and you, and you met Karen. That's yeah. I mean, you know, when you're sailing through the South Pacific, you know, in, in the Northern hemisphere, we have hurricanes. In the southern hemisphere, it's, it's cyclones. It's the same thing. It just spins in a different direction. And so oh, okay. you have to get out of the islands for the cyclone season. And so a lot, one of the options is you can sail south to New Zealand, get out of the zone. You spend the summer down there. You park the boat. You go drive it around. And it's, it's incredible. And Karen was down there backpacking with a few of her girlfriends. And I, yeah. I snatched her up. So, okay, <laughs> hold on a second. So, Karen, you're originally from Sweden. Yes, I'm originally from Sweden, and I was actually studying uh, landscape architecture in uh, Australia, in Melbourne. And I went on like a little backpacking trip with some girlfriends, and that's when I met Brian in New Zealand. So, and, and you, yeah. did you get on the boat from there, or you're like, look, I got to go home and get some clothes and meet me in Sweden, or how did oh, that? You should have heard the her mom's voice when she missed her flight back to Australia. She's like, don't worry, mom. I met this guy. He's really nice. We're just going to go sailing for a couple weeks. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was trying to 
Um. <laughs> There's two themes that are jumping out to me very, very early here is you, uh, Brian, and then invited Karen in in a total disruption as to what we're supposed to do to be happy. Right. And, and, and like you said, when you start to think about what, what it is that we've uh, served up to each other and to our children and to kids as to what success is on the timeline of mankind, that's, that's pretty brand new. And it's pretty bizarre when you think about what, what it is we're all telling ourselves we're supposed to do. And it's completely, completely made up, fabricated. And it didn't sit well with you. And it, it, and now what you guys do challenges everybody else because it doesn't sit well with them that they're doing the thing that we're they're supposed to do. And uh, you get to do anytime and all the time and every single day what everybody's trying to work their brains out to afford to be able to do for two weeks a year is to go right. see some sunny beach and, and then crawl back into the the cubicle or wherever it is and, and jump back in the races. That's what we're all told is uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in America. So how did this, how did you come, how'd you get freaked out by the way things are supposed to be? Well, you know, I think a great way to sum it up is, is before I left on this trip, I was having some doubts as you do. You're like, you know, you're coming up on your, what do they call your prime earning years? You're supposed to be making money, saving for retirement when you turn 70. And there was an older gentleman on the dock and he was in his seventies and he was just getting his boat to go out and go sailing. And I was chatting with him one day and he said, Brian, you know what? You'll never look back on your life and wish you'd spent more time in the office. And he's like, take it from somebody who spent the last 40 years of his life doing something only so that now I can do it. Like you're better off going now while you're healthy, while you can still enjoy yourself and just figuring it out. And that, that stuck with me for a long time. And I think it still rings true, but you know, it's not without sacrifice because it is a difficult life. You know, like there is some financial insecurity, like living on the boat is by definition more difficult than living life on land. You know, imagine taking your house, putting it into like a saltwater corrosive environment like hundreds, if not thousands of miles from the nearest Lowe's or Home Depot, and then like shaking it around a whole bunch of times and then having to make your own electricity, having to make your own water, uh, having to become a mechanic and refrigeration specialist when the freezers break and then a plumber when the toilet breaks. And then, yeah. you know, we, we've been knee deep in shit more times than I care to think about, but like there's nobody to call. So you, you have to do it or you have to poop in a bucket and it's just, you know, there's, there's trade offs to everything. Right. Right. Well, I, I think it's uh we, we all have been to an uncle's funeral and everybody says, Oh, life's too short and hug your kids and, you know, make sure you live life to the fullest. And we go, yep, you're right. And then we go right back to uh, the drudgery or, or whatever it is that we're telling ourselves we should be doing, but it's a whole, it's a, it's a, it's a different, leveled to actually put that into action i think everybody will give it uh you know the head nod to yeah you're right you know you might youth is wasted on the young and wisdom on the old but uh you know i gotta go back to work and for a lot of people that's just that's the reality but we create our own realities and our own perceptions and and all those sorts of things but so but there's that that that's what you did 
is to actually put it into action, that's not a very common thing. What was the push over point to where you're like, I'm done, dude, I'm, I'm out and I'm, and I'm hitting the water. I think it was at the time where I, the, the thing I looked forward most in my day was the bus ride to and from work. And I said, you know what? If the bus ride is the only peace and solace I can have during my entire day, because the rest of the day is divided into 50 minute segments and emails and meetings and demands from people. Like if I'm looking forward to the bus ride, then that sucks. Like, what's the point? I don't even have time to cook my own food. I'm spending money on takeout. I don't have time to make coffee in the morning. So I stop at Starbucks and I get like a coffee and a muffin and you add all these things up and you're like, I'm basically like living so that I can work. And now yeah. we flip so that we work enough to live. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was the original uh, design, right? You, you labor so that you can live, you make a living, but now it's, you live in the spare moments you have from whatever it is that we've called um, a career. You know, I, I, I recently became, like you said, freaked out. I'm freaked out by that term because, you know, I, I just fail to believe that the guys that were, you know, seafaring 500 years ago or a thousand years ago, where they, they, they call it a career, where they trying to climb some kind of ladder and, you know, navies are old and all those sorts of things. And maybe they were, maybe this is just a human condition that we just keep reinventing uh, of ways to compare ourselves but when you when you break it down to I'm doing this to live I'm I, why am I living to do this uh, it's a refreshing perception so how did you learn you know it's one thing you know people have had these uh, revelations or realizations and they go hike the Appalachian Trail or but why sailing how did how did sailing become the the outlet well for me it seemed like the coolest way to travel because, you know, if you think about all the countries and all the places and exotic lands that are connected to the ocean, it's an awful lot. And the, I always like the ability of going and spending a long time in some place. So not going and having to rent a hotel room or something, but actually the ability to move your house there. So when you get someplace, you have your house, you have your creature comforts. I mean, we have our favorite pillows, we have our books, we have our blankets, we have our computers, we have all of our toys and, you know, it's on a smaller scale, but it's everything that makes us feel cozy. And then we can move that from place to place. Like, you know, right now we've been in the tropics for a long time and it's getting freaking hot and we're tired of being hot and we're sweating all the time. And the hurricanes are coming. So right now we're like, well, why don't we sail north? We're going to sail up north to like, you know, Maine or something where it's a reasonable temperature. Yeah. We can hang out. How did you learn how to sail? Mostly by making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> really? Like you're self-taught? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I read a lot of books. Um, there was no YouTube videos at that time. This was sort of pre-YouTube revelation. Um, how about you, Cousin? You, you just learned to sail on the boat, right? Yeah. I've never really sailed any other boat than Delos, and I didn't obviously didn't know anything. So, yeah. I mean, Brian, you showed me, and then over the years, you learn a little bit more, and I think... I, I'm still learning. It's like always changing in different countries and weathers and waves. And 
now yeah. you're a badass. Now you can sail this whole boat by yourself. Yeah. Then, yeah. I remember when I first put the sails out all by myself, I was so stoked. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, there's, well, there's, Brian, did you, uh, did you get a sailboat and then teach yourself how to sail or were you doing this on somebody else's for a while or I, like my my brother was visiting and i had an apartment on on a lake with a boat dock and it was the summer and he said brian you know how can you live in this place and not have a boat and i was like oh that's that's a good point brother and so um we looked on like boattraderonline.com and i saw a boat that was a block away it was a 22 foot catalina like a you know, 1980, it was like 2000 bucks or something. And, uh, on a whim, we just went to go check it out. And I was like, I knew nothing. I mean, it had a hull, it had a mast that was like laying in the dirt and it had a little outboard engine. And, uh, I actually sailed that boat for about five years while I was saving up money to buy a proper boat. Cause that's not a boat you would take across an ocean. That's a boat you would like sail on a lake. You know, for like a weekend, it didn't have a toilet. It didn't have any refrigeration. It wasn't a house. It was like, it was like camping on the water. Right. And that gave me my taste. And then I was like, you know what? Then I really started studying about what does it take to have a proper offshore blue water capable boat that you can sail anywhere in the world. And then it's like a whole different ballgame, right? Right. I mean, just, just yeah. the navigation and, and the, the knowing the maps and the wind and you know, how to communicate with other people out there and all the radio, all of that was just, you're just out there just trying it. I mean, I was reading a lot of blogs and so I got all my radio permits. I went to the fire station. I got my ham radio license uh, for the SSV radio. I started reading books on like diesel mechanics and electrical systems. And uh, then I just went out and did it and like, did a whole bunch of stupid things, like ran the boat aground, um, tried to take shortcuts between buoys, you know, all the stuff new boaters do. And then, uh, but I didn't hurt myself. So <laughs> luckily I bought a boat that was very forgiving and could, could take care. I, I wanted a boat that could take care of me because I was very inexperienced. And so yeah. I thought, well, I need a solid boat with a good reputation that you know, if things get out of control, I can just sort of let her take care of me. And that's, that's the sign of a good boat. So, so basically the, the boat version of Craigslist sparked a curiosity that quickly turned into a passion to where you're like, all right, I'm, I'm getting in pretty deep here. And, and, and you just kept going with it. I'm, I'm curious as to the first time you're, you, you put this thing in open water and it's no longer theoretical in a book and it's you're doing this what's going through your head the first time that that took place well the first time was leaving seattle and sailing to san francisco which is called sail and it's some notorious waters so you know we were prepared like all crazy for storms and everything and we didn't see any wind for five days. it turned out to be like an anticlimactic motorboat ride like down the coast and basically mirror flat mill pond conditions. Um, and then, yeah, when we got to San Francisco, then things started to pick up a little bit coming down the coast of Mexico. And we saw like big wind, big waves, and uh, that terrified us a little bit. But you're always pretty calm though. In like, you never get like freaked out. Like, ah, 
my god! No, you like, can't. You, you can't get freaked out. You just gotta. You can. You can. It'll turn out <laughs> you actually, if you want to, I you can. Out. <laughs> It'll turn out poorly for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Karen. So speaking of, so how long had you had known Brian before you're like, okay, uh, yeah, let's go. I'll go in on the boat. Well, I I've known him for about a day before we went sailing for that weekend. <laughs> And it's then, more like a night. Like yeah, a night. true. Yeah. And then um, after that, like I, I finished my studies. So I was going kind of back and forth between university and like out to the boat. So I went back. I studied for about four months for that semester. And then I went out and I sailed on the boat for about three months when they sailed to Fiji, Vanuatu. And then I was back in school. And I did that for about a year. And then I finished school and I was like, yay, I finished school. Let's go sailing. And I've pretty much been on the boat ever since then. Yeah, but that's when we ran out of money. So like yeah. one of the other things is it's hard to make money out here, right? And you still need money. You still need to buy food. You need to buy diesel and gasoline and um, repair the boat and stuff. And by the time we got to Australia, my 18 months of money had run out like a yeah. year ago. That was, so my, like, that was my next question. So you had, yeah, you had right. yeah you had sorted it out to where all right I can do this for eighteen months and then you know back to the real world and then you're like I'm not going back to the real world that that that, that was insane and this is what I'm doing well, but I'm out of money so what how what do you do now? Well, we uh, I started working like as day a day worker doing engineering work because I was good with electronics so there's super yachts around and I could make like hundred and fifty bucks a day helping somebody run wires or repairing this or that did that, that helped. Um, we also started running the boat like a shared house. So, you know, we met random people and we'd invite them sailing and we'd say like, Hey, if you want to sail on the boat, uh, just chip in 125 bucks a week, which is not actually that bad for a place to live in no. you know, three meals a day and all your traveling expenses paid. But if you get four or five people on the boat, 125 bucks a week, you know, a couple grand in income and that, that that was how we did it for the first are you guys still were you still on the boat while these other people were there oh yeah yeah, yeah. is that is that cramped is that I mean, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, I, you know you know if you gotta i'm sure by the time you get to new zealand you've got a little morning routine and all of a sudden there's three strangers sitting up there too and you're just like oh yeah. geez you're in the way yeah it's all you know? it's awkward Same. that whole deal Stand in line, uh, stand in line to make breakfast. Yeah. Wait in line to use the toilet. We've had a lot of people on board. I think over the years, since I mean, we've had around sixty people, a little over sixty yeah. people from like fifteen different yeah. countries or something. Like some really? staying like a week and some staying for like nine months or even longer years. You know. So uh, okay. How, yeah. <laughs> how do you? Has there been a time where you're like, hey, it's uh, you know, it's probably time to go. Like, how do you? <laughs> How do you, how do you make that happen? I don't know. We dropped one guy off in Fiji because he was just <laughs> uncouth. I don't know how to put it. Like, <laughs> I had to make a rule that you should not burp and fart at dinner, and you must wear a shirt because it was just getting it was just getting out of control. And this guy, yeah, he's living in your house. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness, that's incredible. There's so many fascinating social dynamics to oh, this. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, so, it's yeah, go about ahead. six adults living in basically uh, the same space as like a one or maybe two bedrooms, small apartments. And you only have one car. <laughs> yeah, with one car, and you're in the middle of the ocean for weeks on end. 
it can get hot and it can get cramped and people can get cranky. Yeah. But we've done with it that's what yeah yeah, it's not like you can be like oh i'm going to i'm i'm pissed off i'm going to target like it's you know what do you go stand at the other side of the room when you get mad at each other how does that work swim to the beach go paddle boarding sit up at the bow sit in the bow (laughs) lay in your bunk to movie pretty much it you know what's cool about it though is is putting yourself in that type of situation is you like you said from a survival standpoint you have to figure it out from a relationship standpoint, you know, it, it's almost proof that you got to figure it out because yeah. where are you going to go? You know, you can't have going crazy at sea. It, get, it can get dangerous, you know? Yeah. Like it becomes a safety issue because you depend on everybody to sail the boat to keep watch. You know, when we, we sail, we sail 24 hours a day. There's no stopping at night. And so we need to keep watch. We need to check radar. We need to look for lights every 15 minutes. We need to navigate the boat, check the sails. And so your depend, your lives are in the hands of somebody else um, for that period of time. And you have to trust them and you have to know that they're going to pay attention and do their job. Right. There's something very interesting about in, in that arena relationships are part of survival, you know? Yes. Yeah. Versus, we've created a a world and a society to where a good relationship is a positive thing, but not an essential thing. Whereas it, it, I'm, I'm a, I'm very obsessed with why people are so depressed now. Right. And it can't just, um, it can't just be about, uh, we need more sunshine and we need more vacation time. Like it's, it's, I would put it like this. When you guys wake up, you probably don't ever feel a lack of purpose. Correct? No. I mean, we have, you know, we have so much to do. Like. Yeah. And I also feel like now, you know, we are, things have changed a little bit since having Sierra and, you know, having a baby on board. And now, you know, it's just the two of us and Sierra and it's amazing. And a lot of things have changed. We're not that party boat anymore that like, you know, have like seven people on board and there's stuff going on and all of these like crazy adventures. Like it's different now and it's amazing. And I think just having her and all the joy that she brings and all the amazing things that happens when you have a baby, it's been a crazy journey. Yeah. And, and being able to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week together as a family it's it's not even it's not even heard of you know like let me just tell you on the mainland during this whole quarantine thing it uh people yours truly my wife everybody we had to figure out how to be around each other that much you know because that's just that's not part of the way we live anymore it's almost like a built-in buffer to not uh, live with each other as much as you do which is really unnatural you know And, and in the in the timeline of human beings otherwise we'd always been around each other but um it it seems like it's it's really not that complicated being happy it's waking up and having work to do that uh fulfills you and 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 a sense of of uh excitement and danger and and putting yourself in risks and and then risk and reward and risk and failure and and all those sorts of things and then that culmination of experience and shared with people that you love um there's 
you, there's no need for a prescription drug to make you feel okay. Absolutely. I think, I think that's a great point you made about having purpose because the first two or three years we were really just bumming around. Like we were just sailing, we were just scuba diving, we were taking photos and we were writing a little bit of a blog and it was amazing. It was incredible. But then I know myself and I think everybody on board sort of felt a, a lack of purpose. Like we needed something to, to engage with, something to stimulate us. And so, you know, we started making these, these videos, right? So we were like, well, this is a cool lifestyle. Why don't we start sharing it via videos on YouTube, which was quite a new concept at the time. And now that project, I think, gives us a lot of purpose in life because it's a very cool thing to share. Uh, I think that people get something out of it. Maybe they get inspired to follow their own dreams, whether it be like, you know, sailing or just even so much as making sure that you take a little bit of time for yourself during the day to enjoy instead of filling all your minutes. And at the same time, that's, that's how we're able to fund our lifestyle now is by making videos about our lifestyle, which is sort of a self-fulfilling thing, yeah. I guess, but right. it's cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a good little circle to be in is uh, live. And then by living, it pays for the living. That's pretty cool. Uh, so the, the making the videos was something that came later on in this sailing endeavor. It, yep. was, it wasn't something from the beginning. No, it was not planned. It was not intended. It was just, I think we were talking to a guy in Australia and he's like, Oh, why don't you guys make video? Let me turn the radio off. Hang on. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. If, if, you know, if it happens to the point where the batteries die on this recorder or something like that, we'll just, I'll just change them out. And we'll just keep rolling. This is That's a pretty laid back operation here on this end of things. So EHF was going off, but uh, what, what was I saying? I lost my track. Yeah. About him. I remember him saying like, Oh, you guys should, you know, video because oh, we yeah. were just having a blog and he was like, it would be really cool to see it on video. And we were like, oh, really? And I remember Brian buying the camera. We were so broke. <laughs> and he goes and buys the camera. And I was like, are you kidding me? I you spent like, <laughs> like, what? But it ended up being a really amazing thing. And in the beginning, like, it wasn't something where we thought, like, oh, we will do this to earn money. It was more just like, let's try this out. It was just for fun and then it kind of like some people started watching and we were like, what? This is amazing. Like some person contacted yeah. us and we're like, it was just supposed to be our parents. Right. Yeah. And friends and <laughs> yeah. Mom liked it. <laughs> yeah. So, so dad would wonder what we, what are you guys doing playing around out there? I'm like, well, this is what we're doing, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, but it, it took a long time. It took what? Three years. Yeah. We made videos for about three years before it started kind of, breaking even i guess where we could actually like oh we could now you know do this you know yeah or and you guys do something out. unique i mean with that many uh subscribers and views and things like that i mean there's there's no reason that it shouldn't say brought to you by garmin at the beginning but that's something you chose not to do yeah well we we've always been a fan of crowdfunding and so our idea was that if we could get people to support the videos and make them genuine and make them not biased, as in we have to show this product because somebody gave us money to do it, then it's a different concept of funding. And we're only able to do it because 
technology with computers and cameras and the internet has allowed us to skip the middleman and the middleman being the gatekeeper of content, which would be the, you know, the, the production company and the network. And so now for us to put out something of its interesting content, millions of people can still see it, but we don't necessarily need anybody's approval on what we show within reason, I guess. Right. Well, and it's, it, it, it makes me think of something that like, you know, we, we love to believe that the, the good old days, whatever it is we're talking about are behind us. And, you know, sometimes I, I do this to a fault is like, Oh, you know, you know, thousands of years ago, it was just about living and we've made all that, like we had talked about earlier, but you, you've just, you've jumped into a lifestyle that's ancient, but you've leveraged the, the technology that has never been here before to make the lifestyle sustainable. It's a, it's a very interesting merger of this new life, new world that we live in making the oldest way that you could live possible. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on the back of our head door for the toilets, uh, there's a sign and it says like, these are the good old days just to kind of remind us that like you always look back kind of reminiscent about the good old days, but in fact, they're actually right now, yeah. right? It's always right. So why not make the best of it? Absolutely. Uh, Karen, what, uh, the, the first big storm that you hit when you first got on the boat, how was it like, okay, it's, uh, that was fun. I'm done now. Let's, did you have <laughs> oh, that? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it was really intense. We were sailing. We were actually running from a storm, in Australia and we were sailing overnight. We have the storm sail out. It's me, Brian, and two of our friends. Uh, luckily, the guy that we had with us was very excited about this storm and he helped a lot. He was a crazy Kiwi. <laughs> yeah, he was a crazy man. Uh, and I was very, very happy about that because I was feeling fairly seasick. I'm laying down in the bed in the back and all of a sudden, this rogue, massive wave just comes and hits the sides of the boat and literally tilts it so it's like on its side and the sails are in the water. Like we go completely on the side, right? So I'm like sleeping, waking up, laying on the cabinet on <laughs> the wall. And I'm like, why am I here? And I... I was so new, I didn't realize, like, is this normal? Like, are we going to sing? Like, normal. what no, is happening right normal. now? It's not a normal life to wake up on the wall. <laughs> and yes. I just remember, like, stuff was flying around on the deck. And I was like, you know, are Brian okay? Like, uh, did somebody fall overboard? Like, are they cliffed in? Like, I had so many questions. And then, you know, of course, the boat pops right up. And... Um, keeps on sailing she's an amazing boat but i remember just running up and i was like what's going on but brian is just like yeah it's fine it's perfectly <laughs> normal don't worry about that <laughs> so I, was that was that to calm you down or did you you felt still in control you're like all right don't freak out because out so she wouldn't come back <laughs> i was like no this is fine yeah. i mean the boat is built to handle that it's happened to us a number of times but it is yeah. it is the the rarity i mean it's probably happened like three or four times and you know the equivalent of circling the the earth three times at the equator right we've sailed this boat eighty thousand miles it's twenty five thousand miles around the equator so 
figure that many miles sail that happens like four times. That's pretty good. Like that. Yeah, I can't go to the park without getting caught in a thunderstorm because I'm too dumb to check, <laughs> check the weather. So that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, well, the other thing, when you go ahead, I don't want to cut you off. Were you about to say no, something? No, no, no. Okay. No, I think it's like one of those times where, you know, I, I just trusted Brian so much, not knowing myself a lot about sailing. And I trust the boat so much. She's a really good boat. So I think just having that trust and knowing if that Brian would do the right decision, whatever happens. And yeah, it just calmed me down. So that's pretty good, I think. And she came the thing that I would imagine would be when you get into a situation like that and you wake up on the cabinet, like, but there's, there's six more hours of that, right? It's not like, Oh, that was a crazy wave. Two or three days. Like when we were sailing from around the Cape of good hope, South Africa, trying to get back to the Indian ocean, we got caught in a big blow for, you know, what was it? Three days. And it was just like the energy in the air. You cannot imagine. It's just like the whole boat is vibrating it's like living in inside of a wind tunnel, like the whole boat is moving, like things are getting thrown around. Cause I mean, it's for a sailboat, she's pretty good size. She weighs, you know, a little over 20 tons with all of our gear and stuff. So you can imagine basically a 20 something ton, 53 foot boat being tossed around like a toy in a bathtub, just, you know, smashed around and lifted up and slammed down and put on her side and brought back up again and covered in water. And then just like, well, the, the one thing I know is that boats can take more than you can. So you'll break before the boat does. And if you can believe in that, then you can sort of have some, I don't know, solace, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be, that, that lesson sound, that, that'd be uh, a lesson learned the hard way to come to that realization. Yeah, and that you should never abandon your boat for your life raft you always want to step up onto your life raft meaning if you leave your boat it better be damn well like underwater already otherwise you're you're already on the best life raft you have is your sailboat right because yeah, yeah. a lot of people abandon boats and they never find the life raft but they find the boat still floating on its own like a year later washed up on some beach and so that's why i say the people often give out before the boat does and they get they get themselves into trouble that way interesting now so now like you guys had said it was uh for lack of a better term sort of a a party lifestyle there for a while and now uh there's a baby on board literally um how how, how did that I, I, so many questions one is like i remember i got two kids and i remember going to the doctor a lot right you go to a lot of checkups is were you guys did you did you park it for that nine months did you decide to hold off how did that work well um i had a pretty like me being pregnant was very i don't know if it was because i was so used to the boat i've been living on it for so long but i sailed until i was uh seven months pregnant and then we flew back to sweden um to have the baby because the healthcare there is uh absolutely incredible and we stayed for four months after she was born. So we felt like, you know, it's very intense yeah. in the beginning. And I don't know anything. I did not know anything about babies. So it was very <laughs> kind of crazy. But we were, we were able to do doctor appointments wherever we were. So we did our yeah. first check in Antigua. And it's, it's different. 
you know, like I remember the first thing I remember is Karen came out, they like wanted her to do a pee test. And so normally in a doctor's office, you used to like get in a special vial with like a label on it. And then it's like put in a sanitary thing. It, she literally just cut, walks out with this cup of urine. It's like a paper cup. Like, what do I do with this? They're like, oh, just set it here. Set it on the reception desk. And like, you know, the receptionist is sitting there and like people are walking up and Karen's cup of pee is there. But I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it yeah. still works. Yeah. yeah. You know, people get, and, and the only, and so we did it in Antigua where BVI's, BVI's. Puerto Rico, the only place where we had problems was in the U.S. We were not able to get any kind of a doctor's appointment in the U.S. And, and, um, and why was that? Well, you cannot, unless you're going to deliver the baby for insurance reasons, they are not able to help you. Interesting. So I think I called about like 35 different uh, <laughs> places and they all said the same thing. Like, we would love to help you, but in the U.S. it's just not possible. So we that says skipped. a lot right there. Interesting. Yeah, it was it was kind of incredible. But then we, we knew what the tests were. And so we ordered everything on Amazon. We ordered like the <laughs> test strips for the pee for proteins and everything. We ordered the heart rate monitor and all the blood pressure stuff. And yeah. we just did it on the boat. Yeah, and then we. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a moment Karen's like, "We're not doing it on the boat." All right, stop. It's over. We're no, I'm I having think it was a baby. That no, was awesome. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. That's pretty. So, how old is uh, Sierra? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How old was Sierra when uh, you guys took her out to sail the first time? Well, four months. four months. Yeah. So we flew back to the boat. We flew from Sweden to the US, visited Brian's family, and then back to the boat that was then in Antigua. And um, yeah, we've been on it since then. So we did a few like day hops first. Just get like, you know, like how do you handle the baby when you're sailing and we have to do changes for the sails and all of these things. And then. What do you do with like weeks of dirty diapers on the boat yeah. you can't just toss yeah. them into the ocean that becomes a real problem in the tropical heat yeah yeah, yeah so, so, so what do you do <laughs> <laughs> well uh beforehand i thought about all of these uh, challenges the swedish are great planners by the way <laughs> I, I am less so <laughs> so i i uh, contacted a few people and uh, saw what they had and what uh, cloth diapers I should use. So I bought like a bunch of cloth diapers and we started cloth diapering her like pretty much from the start. And we have been ever since and it's been absolutely great because we have a washing machine, a small one, like five kilo, like the smallest you can get. So we're able to like, you know, not wash them by hand because that's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. suitable. So it's not yeah. like you just tie them on a line and throw them in the water and drag it behind you until they get clean and then pull it back in. Or... But we're we're lucky we have a washer, so we just yeah you know yeah. we get we get the chunks out and then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I was thinking about this last night. Do can babies get seasick? Well, they say well from what we heard, they say that before they can walk they don't really get seasick. Well, it's because they're, yeah, because yeah, they're being carried around. The mouth hasn't really developed yet. But, I mean, not, I think you got bored. Yeah, Because bored. It's, we can't really play with her as much when the boat is you know, in the ocean. We have to pay attention to sailing. And so it's only really one of us that can take care of her at a time. And then it's like, 
it's a little bit difficult. Yeah. In fact, the video we released today is about us doing a 600 mile sail, which took us about four days with her. It was her. tough. It, it was, was very it was tough. A challenge, but we, we got through it. Yeah, that's incredible. And do you, uh, the with the videos, is this, I mean, I, I've I've given myself a, a real migraine trying to edit videos and and put things on YouTube and all that sort of stuff. How does that consume like a huge part of your day to put out the content that you're putting out all the time like that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, we calculated it takes on average forty to probably fifty hours of work per episode. Hmm. And that's um, just the editing. And that's just the editing. And so if you consider because we try and do a high quality production value and make it a good length and everything. So if you consider if you're trying to do that weekly, then it's like that in itself, just the editing is more than a full-time job. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, yes. It's if I, I've learned that for every minute of good, well done content, there's probably four hours wrapped up in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So how do you guys decide where you're going? Hmm. Well, I remember Brian, like the first, when we were leaving Australia, when I do knew absolutely nothing, I asked him, where are we going? And he was like, I don't know, you figure it out. And I was like, really? I can do that? Like, <laughs> like how does this work? And he was just like, yeah, I mean, we have to move in this general direction up towards Asia. And he was just like, figure out where you want to go. And we will see if we can go there. And I just literally wrote into Google, like, Indonesia, because that was the first, you know, place. And Rasha Ampat came up with this incredible, you know, like islands and blue water. And I was like, I want to go there. And then I told you, and you were like, yeah, okay, well, look into if you need any, like, yeah, sure. uh, let's go. You no know, papers or anything. And yeah, that was like my so you, you I mean, Yeah, it's mostly driven by the weather. Yeah. So we, we kind of, try to get out of hurricane or cyclone zones because you you know you know when they start and you know when they finish and so you try and dodge that and you know okay we want to generally move north to get out of this zone and we have about three or four months to spend doing it and we can visit these places we set the boat up to be self-sufficient for like you know, three to six months at a time so we have enough food and fuel we make our own water we produce our own power so we're pretty independent out here. So it's how do, just how do you how do you I can't you know I, I I can't get enough eggs right for breakfast for everybody right <laughs> like how do you how do you decide to pay like okay this is well, this is gonna be six months because I'll pack a lunch and I'll be like I'll eat half of this and I'll eat half later and then I eat the whole thing and then I'm hungry later it's like that would happen to me. Yeah, I mean I remember that was something that have never occurred to me before when I'm going sailing, you know, that I've always lived close to a supermarket where you can get pretty much everything. I mean, maybe they're out of avocados sometimes and I get really bummed, but it's like you can get stuff all the time. And, you know, you're just going sailing up there to Russia Ampad in Indonesia. And, you know, after two weeks, we ran out of tomatoes and we were so far away from any stores and we didn't have tomatoes for like, you know, a month, two months, maybe. And just realizing that, like, this is our my last egg for I don't know how long. 
and cooking and everything. So, I mean, I like food and I'm, I like to prepare. And I've done so many of this now where you kind of plan like, okay, we're six people. We need to buy enough sugar, pasta, you know, everything for six months. How much do we need? And how much can we fit on the boat? And I think now I've just done it so many times and I know this boat and everything so well that I have my list and I just, you know, you know, you figure if you have three people on board and everybody wants to drink, like, let's say an average of two or three beers per day for six months, do you know how many beers that is? It's thousands. of beers. <laughs> How do you put that? Yeah. How does that fit on the boat? It doesn't. <laughs> well, we, one thing we did is we got into making our own moonshine. Uh, so we bought a still uh, and we carry a lot of sugar and we have big buckets and we make uh, some pretty decent vodka, bourbon, whiskey. Uh, yep. With the still, uh, do that a lot. That keeps wow. it busy. That is but I, th- I think the thing that Kyle was talking about is you have no idea how special something like a, like a tomato or an avocado or bacon can become when you haven't had it. And removing yourselves, like it's it's a bummer to run out of stuff. And it is, you know, we have to ration. You can't have a second serving of food sometimes. Like you have to limit yourself that's one side of living that way. But then when you do get it again, it's like, so it's truly special. (laughs) It's really special. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the months and I would love ice cream. I'm not going to get ice cream. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I, that, I guess obviously ice cream is pretty self-explanatory, but how do you keep, how do vegetables stay fresh for three to six months? If that's the the time you're going to have to go. Canned. Canned. Canned food. Yeah. Gotcha. We catch a lot of fish. Uh, yeah. If I eat another lobster, I, I think I'd like, I don't know, I can't eat any more lobster. <laughs> we had lobster for like, I know it sounds like a terrible problem to have, right? Yeah. But we had lobster for like 30 days straight when we first got here because that's what we, you know, you can't go trolling for a cheeseburger, but I can go dive on the reef and grab a lobster. Really? So You're able to do that? Just they're that they're that plentiful down there, and, and yeah, lobster, grouper, snapper, yeah. uh, hogfish. Yeah, I was gonna ask you if you fish off the boat while while you're uh, while you're moving and all that sort of deal. Yeah, we troll, but since we've been locked down at this island for the last hundred days, we've just been fishing on the reef uh, by diving with a spear, spear fishing mostly. Really? Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, are, yeah, it is. Is that something you picked up? After you started, did you like fishing? Did you like diving before all that? Or is that something that just kind of came with the territory? I'd never, I'd never dove. I'd never fished. Um, yeah. And I got schooled the first couple of years. The fish out there in the Pacific are big. And, like, I'd put out a line, and then I'd, I'd hook up, and I'd catch something. And then, like, 30 seconds later, before I could even slow the boat down, it just goes, bing, and it breaks the whole thing. And, you know, then you realize, like, the gear I have is completely inadequate. It's just, you know, like yeah, this, I mean, that, that's as big of a learning curve as probably sailing is pelagic fishing and, and the gear yeah. you have to have and all that. You uh, hook up with a big tuna or a big wahoo. If you don't do it right, it's it's game over. That fish is going to school you for sure. Yeah, it's like it's like fighting a grown man pulling back There's, on you. It's incredible. Uh, there there is there. There has to be. um of sense that you kind of have developed about yourselves that you, you probably don't 
come in contact with a lot of things that you don't think you guys can figure out. Would you agree with that statement? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, think, I, I mean, for Brian, I, I always, at... when something breaks, I'm like, Brian will figure it out. <laughs> 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 he's, he's very good at problem solving. I'm better at, like, preventing things from happening. Sure. So I'm like, ooh, that, like, I see small things, and I'm like, this needs to be fixed. This needs to be fixed for something to not break in the end. Yeah. Well, when something breaks, uh, you usually... You have an incredible patience for that kind of stuff. I you love fixing think about things. It. I love fixing things. <laughs> well, cool. you've you've you've, <laughs> you've set up the correct lifestyle for that. If you love to fix yeah. things, no doubt. Yeah. There, there is. Um, I I guess there's there's something really to be said, um, whether you ever get on a sailboat or not. For somebody that's listening, is you, you don't learn. And, and have the, the depth of knowledge, the wealth of knowledge that you guys have accumulated unless you throw yourself into these environments and situations that demand it from you. Necessity is the mother of all invention and like jury rigging of shit with duct tape and bailing wire, right? Like, yeah. you know, you need glue, you need duct tape, you need bailing wire, electrical tape, and then you go at it. Do you, did you ever get, and I wonder about like at the, at the, if you make it back for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or whatever, do, do you ever get the, uh, the toothpick, the kind of lip smack from family members or, or a, a relative or a friend that's just like, you know, who do you guys, why do you think you're allowed to do that? Who do you think you guys are? Is there, was there, was there any of that? We used to, my dad used to, my mom used to wonder what we, I think even your mom wondered what we were up to for a while. But now that we make the videos, uh, I think they understand like that it is a special life and that we love it. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, first of all, I think I think Brian's involved in drugs. He's got to be doing. Something. <laughs> <laughs> he's up to something. He's telling us he's sailing. I don't believe him. Yeah, but I guess the other downfall of this life, you know, there's always a downside. Is you do miss friends, you do miss family. Yeah, you, know, you do miss that semblance of like a concrete existence where you know where the grocery store is you know that your house is going to be safe overnight and then you know if a squall comes up you could literally be washed onto the rocks and your house sinks like that's that's a reality that we deal with on a on a regular basis and so there's there's that level of that and being removed from constant relationships and always changing and moving and making super good friends like where we've been for the last hundred days there's also been other boats here and so we've been able to spend basically three months together, hanging out on the beach, having dinner with each other, really getting to know this amazing, amazing group of people. But when we all leave, like everybody's going to sail their own directions. And so it's kind of like, it's, gonna know, be so sad. it's like graduating high school, like yeah. every you know few weeks where you meet these incredible people and then all of your friends go off to college and do whatever. And then you're just by yourself and you're like, oh, I miss these people. Are there are there a lot of people out there like yourselves? I mean, I, th I guess when you think of people that sail all over the world, you think, you know, billionaire that owned Fortune 500 company, bought a super yacht, and now a crew just takes them around. Are there? Do you run into a lot of people like yourselves? I don't know what the lot is, but there. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, what is there like eight other boats with us here? Yeah, I think. Actual people circumnavigating the world, there's between ten to 15,000 boats. 
on average is what I've heard. There's no way to verify that. But And then people that are just coming out for like a month or two or to cruise the islands for a few months and then they go back home, there's, there's many more than that. I really don't know how many, but I mean. Yeah, but out of a population of 7 billion people that are going all over the world doing what you're doing, pretty, pretty small group. It's a minority, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something that I, when you, when you watch your guys' videos, you're, you're forced to put yourself in the situation as to, I guess you're like, man, that would be amazing. Or man, I don't know if I could do that, you know, at, at all times, like you're saying, it's like, well, man, you're, you're away from everybody all the time. And, uh, you know, that, that's absolutely beautiful. Why I would love to be able to see something like that, but man, could I deal with no grocery store, no restaurant, whatever, for months and months at a time. It's, uh, but you guys are, it's not a, it's not theoretical with you. It's, um, is there ever a moment where you're like, okay, this, we had a good run. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Yeah. I mean, there've definitely been a few, I think balance for us is key. Uh, we usually sail for X amount of months and then maybe not necessarily leaving the boat, but like, take like stopping for a little bit knowing where you can buy your milk knowing where you can go for a haircut having some friends for a little bit stuff like that so because like always changing country always figuring things out it can be also extremely exhausting mentally so i think having a balance there where you have like a home point in some kind of sense and and also not being in english speaking countries is exhausting because you're always trying to translate everything's more difficult you're trying to learn a new local language and uh, i mean i remember after we crossed the indian ocean all we wanted to do was sit somewhere and so we found a marina in cape town and we stayed there for three months the whole summer yeah we just sat like we did normal things like we lived on the boat but we went to the movie theater Karen found a place where she could buy berries. Yeah. Like we, you know, walked around the town and that was, and then we were all charged up again for like the next, you know, eight months of sailing across into Brazil and then up into the Caribbean and stuff. So, so when you go to a movie, I mean, that's, that's not like let's jump in an Uber. It's, we got to take the dinghy. We got to, we got to go dock that. Then we got to go back out. It's going to be late when the movie's over. We got to go and hook that. It's all of that. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, unless you're in a marina, and we tend to stay out of marinas because it costs money. Okay, but it's yeah. it's all the truth. Uh, marina is like a holiday from our life, I guess, because you can just walk off the boat onto a dock, and right. you don't have to brave the the weather and the dinghy ride ashore and find a safe place to keep it, and then worry about somebody stealing the dinghy if you're in a dangerous place, and like locking things up, and then if it gets dark, now you have to have a dinghy ride home through the waves and you're like ah uh. so tough toughest place to sail through well like sailing wise south africa for sure really? south africa why is that yeah. there's a death defying weather there like it would routinely blow hurricane force winds and they wouldn't call it a hurricane they would just call it like a southwest buster which is just their <laughs> name yeah and okay. so it's like this, they call it the wild coast and it's, you know, it's wild, it's wild. 
uh, it's, they have the 20 meter, 60 foot high ship breaking waves routinely. And there's a big current there and it's not a trivial place to sail. It's definitely the most challenging sailing. Is that a, is that something that you can be warned about on, on weather or radar or like, you're like, or is that just something that just shows up? No, you get uh, a couple days notice. And when there's a weather window of two to three days, you know about it. And then all the boats sort of make a run from one safe harbor to the next. And you just run, go as fast as you can, get there, get tied up before the next crazy system rolls through. What was um, this? I'm I'm such a uh, just layman, but like, I, hopefully somebody else is too listening. So I'm going to ask this question. If you're wanting to go a certain direction, but the wind is blowing against you and you're a sailboat, how does that work? Not well. <laughs> they call it beating for a reason because you're going against the wind, against the weather. Uh, there's a saying like, gentlemen, don't sail to weather, but sometimes you have to, I guess. It's rough. I mean, the boat is literally like jumping over, you know, six to 15 foot waves and everything is smashing around and the boat is heeled over. And it's like living inside an amusement park ride, um, trying to cook your own food, trying to sleep. I mean, you can get thrown from one side of the boat to the other. How does, how does, how does it still move in the direction you want it to move with wind blowing against it? How does it still, you, you go at an angle. So you have this thing called attacking angle. And with our boat, we can go about 45 degrees into the wind. So if we have the wind off of our bow at an angle of 45 degrees, we can still create enough lift with the sails counteracting with the keel to propel us forward. Um, but we can't go directly into the wind. And so you go off sort of sideways to the wind in one direction and then you go for a while and then you tack and then you put the wind on the other side of the boat and then you kind of zigzag. Back oh, and forth. okay. I mean, and it takes twice as long. It takes twice as long because you're, you're sailing twice the distance, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but then when you sail downwind, you know, or with the wind on the side of the boat or the beam, then it's beautiful sailing and the boat is very stable. It's very comfortable. You're going fast. You're going straight towards your destination. So we also try and plan our routes to have the most downwind sailing as possible is there i i'm there's a there's a, a, a human behavior scientist named daniel kahneman and he he won the nobel peace prize for behavioral economics and it's basically like why we decided to do the things we do and and he has this whole theory about about memory and happiness that it really uh has nothing to do with the things that actually happened to us as much as it as how we feel about what they were after it happened. You know, it's, it's the, it's the picture of the vacation more than how much you actually enjoyed yourself on the vacation. You, you see what I'm saying? So is there, is, is that kind of, this situation seems to me like, do you, the worst day of sailing and the best day of sailing, um, they both seem to have their probably their their own strong emotion tied to that memory, but both make what you're doing worth it. Would you agree with that or disagree with that? Yeah. No, I totally agree. I would say I've often said that like my worst day out here is still better than 
my average day in my office that I used to have. Just because you have, and without the ups and the downs, like everything would sort of be mediocre. But I think it's important to have downs. It's important to have tough times because then you really appreciate the good times, right? And as a crew too, I think coming together and and some of the really tough sailing that we've done with other people and just ourselves, you know, when you come out of it, you're so much stronger and you're like, we, even though it was really hard, like we did it as it's, a it's group. A, it's you a know? real high. It's like it's a family a, yeah. feeling. It's just, it's just amazing. Like it's a crew bonding experience, right? Yeah. To survive something together. And I, it's like, it's just, and, and there's nothing too small or too large in that category. Nobody ever goes for a run and regrets it when they're done, right? Nobody ever does something really, really difficult. And on the other side of it was like, oh, I hate it. Why did I do that? It was awful. You know, even if we're being facetious or being funny or whatever, we still um, we, we're glad it happened. Are you guys ever to the point? Here's where here's my goal in my life is to get to the point to where I know in the middle of the suckiness. Can you hear me? Uh, I think Zoom was trying to get me to uh, up my subscription or something there. They, they made me stop. Oh. They made me stop. All right. Well, that's a go figure that the technical difficulty you're you're out at sea and I'm sitting in my house and I'm the one that had the problem. (laughs) Of course, that's that's my life right there. Um, I I get what what we were trying to say before I so rudely interrupted us was uh, to get to the point to where in the middle of for please excuse the metaphor, like the, the terrible storm that you guys are going through or a, a really rough time to actually start to really get excited about it because this is going to elicit a really good time when we get through this thing, right? Do you guys, are you at that point already? Or you're like, no, this sucks right now. And hopefully it's going to be okay afterwards, but it sucks right now. It's hard to say. Like, I don't know. Like, how do you feel during childbirth you just want it to be over right you're just like get this thing out of me like i don't know it's a storm is a good comparison i'm not sure like, uh. I, think, <coughs> I think a lot of times when we had really difficult times it's for me anyway like it's really really difficult and i'm like why am i doing this like what but at the same time we've been through so many of those so i know what's on the other side so you kind of like you know what you can look forward to so it's bearable right yeah it, that, and like which is a learned trait it's it's yeah the more you struggle the more you 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 come to terms with that you're capable of getting through it and you're capable of getting on the other side of it. And it's going to be great when we do. So let me ask you guys this, what, and maybe you don't even think about these things, but like, where does, where does this thing going? Like, is this, are you, is this something that you indefinitely plan on doing is as Sierra grows up, she's going to, you know, what, what's the, what's the uh, foreseeable future? What are you guys thinking with that? hope so. I mean, I love being a family. Sorry, phone fell over there. I think we've always said that we'll do it until either we run out of money or it stops being fun. And if we can continue to be self-sufficient and it's still fun, then I don't see any reason to to stop. Maybe 
maybe we'll have like more of a, I'd, it would be nice to at some point own a house and have a, a home base to where we could go for certain months of the year and then go back to the boat for most of the year. But right now our plans are just to take it one season at a time and just do whatever feels right. Why, why uh, Delos? Why is it called Delos? Uh, well, it's uh, Delos was actually named Delos when I bought her. She was, I was the second owner of the boat. And uh, I like the name because uh, when you're talking about a boat name, you want it short. You want it easy to say on the radio so you can spell it phonetically like Delta Echo Lima Oscar Sierra. Uh, different languages, it still works. It's not like some you know, twist on or some entendre that somebody else might not understand. And it's based on Greek mythology. So it's uh, Delos is the floating island uh, that was built between uh, heaven and earth, heaven and earth, uh, so that you know Zeus's children could be born on on this heavenly floating island. And so I thought it was cool, so I just kept it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we're getting if it's me or you. If we're getting wind or something in the microwave. Oh, or, sorry. The microphone. That's okay. It's not better. But we'll, let us close the hatch. The it's probably hot up. in there. I don't want to smoke you guys out. Oh, we're used to it. It's like a hundred degrees right now. No problem. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, I won't, I won't keep you guys, um, much longer, but, uh, I think, uh, the way you've chosen to live your life is it's, it's really inspiring and it's obviously inspiring, uh, lots and lots of people. And I know as, as just talking to you, um, and that you're not, it's, it's, you're doing it obviously to be able to sustain a lifestyle, but you, it's not a popularity contest, but nonetheless, you guys are very popular. You've got, you know, over 150,000 followers on, uh, Instagram and, and, and half a million subscribers on your, on your YouTube channel. And there's a, there's something very challenging about the way you guys have decided to organize your life that people you you've you've demanded people's attention and they're giving it to you um and it, and it makes us all kind of think and uh maybe bring into inventory the things that we've said were important and maybe we're off on that and you're helping us remind it, ourselves of that oh thanks man i appreciate that yeah. that's very kind of you to say Absolutely. And I think it's very cool that you guys, everywhere you go, you guys see somebody that knows who you guys are, which is pretty. You know what the most bizarre thing happened is uh, a plane buzzed us yesterday, like a gigantic military plane. And we, everybody in the anchor is like, what the heck is this giant? Like, it's like, it was like a P4 Orion, like radar hunting plane came right over the anchorage, like down low. And it was like, what the heck was that plane? The next day, we got an email from the guys on the plane. They saw us on AIS. They came down from 22,000 feet to take pictures of the boat and say hello. <laughs> Wait, what, what, <laughs> what is, what's AIS? AIS is like, it's the marine version of a transponder for an airplane. So we have like a transponder on the boat that sends out our name and our position. Oh, okay. Uh, and our speed and our bearing and our course to that other vessels can can see where we are and avoid us but planes also can pick it up so this guy's up there flying around he's like 
these are the guys' videos that I watch. And he's like a pilot of this gigantic military plane. And he comes down and zooms over the boat and circles around. And it was, it was too cool. That is nice. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> yeah. This is really good. Small people. world, right? Good We're in the people. middle of nowhere. So. <laughs> yeah, it is. Wow. So what's on tap for today? What do you guys got to go do? Well, swimming, I think. Yeah, we're going to so go hot. swimming. Just going to the beach uh, for a little bit. and We're going to do that. Go hang out. Stay cool. Oh, I got to fix the batteries. Something yeah, happened boat, to our batteries the last couple days. Project. Make sure the batteries are charging. Oh, I'm going to make some moonshine. A lot of things today. Uh, I got to brew some alcohol. <laughs> and then we're going to eat. Pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Go on to the beach. Sundowners have a couple beers. Just, just a full time, full time job. All that living, you guys. Oh, we got to start planning a wedding. Our oh. friends, our friends here that have been hanging out with us for the last couple months, they randomly decided to get married here, which amazing. is amazing. So we're gonna do like a beach wedding on. Uh, we, we're gonna build like a yacht club and stuff, and uh, you can find endless ways to to entertain yourself out here, right? Yeah, it it, it appears as such. You, you guys seem to make friends pretty easily. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I think the boating community too is very like, you know, if somebody new comes into Anchorage, not necessarily now so much with the COVID thing going on, but you know, people come up and say hi. Like people are very, you get invited for sundowners, you get invited for dinners. Like it's very. I remember living in my house in Seattle for five years, and I knew maybe one of my neighbors and had dinner with them like zero times. And yeah. here, it's very, very, very different. Like, it's very social. Everybody has common Why, why do you think that is? Jeez, I just think it's like, you know, people are into the same, they're in the same zone. You know, yeah. they have the same outlook on life. They're out here for the same reasons. They're probably pretty cool people. And they're people from all walks of life. Like, there could be engineers, there could be doctors, there could be lawyers. guy next door could be, you know, a surgeon... Uh, other guy next door could be a pilot and uh, it seems to to attract these sort of eccentric types to this lifestyle and and everybody's just out hanging out sitting in the water drinking a beer and you have some fantastic conversations yeah right next to us is a marine biologist phd yeah. and so you know you get to chat with him about all sorts of stuff and right it's amazing yeah i, I mean it seems like you run into some extraordinary people and that you're you constantly get the uh, opportunity to learn from do you guys look at your because i i think of this as y you got to be pretty mentally tough um to do what you guys are doing as long as you do it do you think of yourselves as tough no i think of us as adaptive and like positive i guess but not necessarily tough i don't feel tough you i feel think tough. you're pretty tough really i think you're pretty tough <laughs> well okay then yes <laughs> <laughs> we each think each other's yeah. tough. Well, Not I, think, I think that adaptable is is a is a is synonymous with that with toughness. You know, because people that decide, oh, that's not my thing, or it's too hot, or I'm too cold, or it's too what you as you guys are just like, it's hot. All right, let's go swimming. You know, or yeah. it's cold, shut the door, and 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 you're <laughs> able to just keep going on. That is is a is, in my opinion a version of a definition. Of, of being a tough human being. Well, whining won't get you very far out here. I, I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, there's something, there's something very visceral about the, um, 
Now, it, the indifference that Mother Nature has towards how you feel about it, you know, yep. and and it'll teach you. Okay, all right, what are you going to do? You're going to take a swing at me because here comes the next wave. You know, hey, like the ocean doesn't care about how old you are or the color of your skin or what language you speak or your religion. Like the ocean treats everybody the same, and I really like that about it. It's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's pretty profound, um, man. There's there's a lot that there's a lot that even if you never get on a sailboat, there's a lot that people can apply uh, to the to the way um, they're living their lives. Um, anything else, you guys? Did we did we miss anything? I mean, I could talk to you guys. I could just nerd out on like. Uh, well, we we can do it again. We can do it again. <laughs> some some time. Yeah, I th- I would love that. I'd love yeah, to do it. Whatever. Yeah, to dive into some of the the, the how to of it all and the and the learning. I think the 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 thing I'm most fascinated with is, um, you know, we're constantly trying to find ways to tell ourselves we're disqualified from an experience. You know, I don't have this certification. I'm not classified with this. My dad wasn't a sailor. I didn't grow up fishing. I didn't whatever. And you're telling us that you picked up a book. You started reading. You started watching videos when it became available, but early on it wasn't. And it, you, you, but then, and also you, you just go out and you try stuff. You put a boat in open water and you get your butt kicked. You, you put line in the water and you go try to fish um, for, for large species and they just run you ragged and, and work, I think, and I've had this conversation with a lot of different people on this podcast about this, um, for whatever reason, we think if something is hard, we're we're not good at it and we're, and it's not for us and we must be doing it wrong. And maybe that's because we've, we've, we've gone to exponential length to see how convenient we can make things for ourselves. And we carry that, uh, ideology into ancient places like the ocean and we expect it to just go well. And when it doesn't, we think that that's our disqualifying factor. And you guys, there's a bit of audacity that it takes to, uh, to get to just to say, no, I, I, I'm going to try it. You know, like, how do you, there's got to be some, some naysayers. I say you learn the most from failing, right? I think the, the difference is that if you do fail, then try not to repeat your failures, change something, learn from it, adapt, and then give it another go. But at Um, the same time though, you, there has to, you have to almost be egoless because there's so many people that everything that they're doing is to avoid showing someone else that they've failed at something. To the point the to where they dangerous. won't even attempt. One of the most dangerous things out here is an ego. Like you can't, nobody cares about an ego. The wind doesn't care about your ego. It doesn't matter. Can't have it. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's just so cool because everything that you're supposed to, hey, you know, you ought to do this on the mainland, on the, on dry land. It's like, no, that'll kill you there. You know, yeah. it's like ego will get in your way in uh in an office it'll kill you on out at sea and i think that there's yeah. something very cool about that yeah so well i guess the last thing i'll leave you with is uh i think in general we like to say like anytime we've been at a decision point in our lives and we've taken the road that like you know if you get that butterfly in your stomach that, that pit of sinking feeling 
that makes you a little bit scared and nauseous. Every time we've taken that decision, that's when we end up having the most fun, just taking ourselves out of that comfort zone. And then you learn and you grow. And I mean, the fact that you guys, to me, that's, that's the master's class. That's the PhD in living is when you realize that that feeling is not a, uh, uh, evolutionary trait to make you avoid something, but it's how you guys are actually compassing yourself towards the next endeavor. Um, that is how you go live an extraordinary life in whatever it is that you're doing. So working for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Karen and Brian, um, I know you, you got, thank you for spending nap time with me. Uh, yeah while the baby was asleep and uh guys we're, we we really appreciate um you sharing your lives and you sharing your what your adventures your setbacks your failures your endeavors um with people with your videos with uh we can follow you on instagram where uh just type in s-v-d-e-l-o-s s-v-delos into either Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Google, whatever it all, it'll all pop up. All right, guys, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for being uh, hospitable and, and, and open and willing to talk to us. Appreciate it. No, our pleasure. It Thank you great. so much. Thank you. We had fun. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys have a great one. You, you too. too. All right. Bye. Bye. There you go. Wow. I mean, the, the extraordinary things that, have, that are taking place with Brian and Karen, uh, they shouldn't go left unsaid. One is uh, that a married couple has not killed each other at sea operating something as high stakes as uh, sailing in open water. All right, so there's hope for all of us. There's a, there's a measuring stick for you. All right. And the other thing I want you guys to be aware of, they are not different than you and I. God does not like them more. They are not more. They did not get sprinkled with more uh, magic dust and, and fairy talent to where they get to do these extraordinary things. And you have to stay in the stupid place that you live that you don't like, that you don't want to be anymore, but you feel like you're stuck forever. You just, you can do it. You can do, you can be the next Karen and Brian. You want to sail around the world, you do it. But man, it's going to be hard and you better come to terms with that's And that's okay. And it's going to be really, really scary. And there's two people that have figured that out and that understand that when, uh, when old, uh, uncle, uncle scary comes around, it's not time to run. You need to just invite him in and have dinner with him and figure out where he's pointing you. And uh, that's um, what a skill set those two have honed in and developed and sharpened to be able to live this extraordinary uh, piece of life they've carved out for themselves. Guys, I hope uh, you're enjoying the podcast. I hope you're. Uh, hey, listen. If you like what's going on, share it. Give us a give us a give us a comment. Give us a like. Give us a, send us a direct message on Instagram. Uh, word of mouth is the greatest endorsement of anything. So, you know, hey, check this podcast out. If you're going on a trip, if you're going on a on a on a little drive, if you're going on vacation with your family as summer wraps up, then uh, throw us on. Listen to our other episodes. Check us out. Man, child, the movement. 
on Instagram. And uh, we, we really appreciate all your love, all your support. Thanks again to Charlie Parr. Over the Red Cedar Grove was today's song. Thank you to David Lessing, writer and creator of the man-child jingle jangle. Thank you always to Patrick Davis up there at the Fringe Coffee House, always helping us out, engineering, sound, and website uh, technicalities as always. All right, guys, get in the struggle and do it well. Struggle well. All right. Thanks for listening to the Manchild Podcast. We'll see you.